Um, I'm so glad that you're here today. Obviously, we're kind of finishing up our mission celebration week, and I'm so glad um, to have Jay and Nancy Dickerson with us here from Central America. I've known Jay and Nancy for so many years, for over, I think, over 20 years, I think, and uh, we were both uh, serving on staff at a church in South Carolina when I met the Dickersons, and then they were called to go to Central America, so they've been serving there ever since, and now they're overseen um, as area directors in Central America. We've done five missions trips with them um, over the year, and so they're very close friends, and we're so glad to partner with them, and God is doing so many great things in Central America, and I'm so excited to have Jane and Nancy just share um, what the Lord has been doing in Central America. Central America is kind of a, a soft spot in the heart of our church, because that's where we go and do all our missions and so it's so great to hear what God is doing. And I pray that your hearts would just be open and tender to what the Lord is doing. I just want to share with you, I'm just so excited. Last week, we doubled the amount of our faith promises from the year before. And I'm just so thankful for that. And so thank you. That That's worth a hand clap just to the Lord. Just give him the glory for that. Um, and that just, that just gives us the ability to do more. Um, in the areas of, 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 of missions. And so thank you for, for just accepting the challenge for some of you that maybe, uh, didn't make that commitment. Just make a commitment today with that faith promise to say, you know, we're going to do something this year for missions and just faithfully give to that. So then you're going to hear today, you know, what God is doing through the faithfulness that we're able to send missionaries. And, and some of you may not know this, but missionaries, when they itinerate, they depend on the graciousness and the giving of churches to send them out in the field. Without the giving of the churches, they can't go. And so I look at that as a partnership. Um, we're here to partner with them to send them out uh, into the world to, to, to be led by the calling that God has given them. So thank you. They will tell you over and over, thank you for giving because um, they receive that and then they're able to go into that field and share what God is doing um, in the hearts and lives of people, especially in Central America. So thank you for your giving to that. And so as we just pray today, um, just before the Dickersons come and just share what God has laid in their heart and what God is doing in Central America, let's just, let's just pray and let's just thank God for his goodness. And, and I, my prayer for you today is that, um, whatever you're going through today, maybe you came today and you're like, you know, what, what, what is God going to share through a missionary and what I'm going through? Because I still got to face my problems tomorrow. I think God's going to do something in your heart today. And I believe that if you just come expecting and you just come believing, um, God can do amazing things in our hearts and lives if we just believe. And so let's just expect that God's going to do something great in our hearts and lives and just speak to us and just show us what he desires for us here today. So let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray that this wouldn't just be a normal Sunday. I pray this wouldn't just be another normal day. I pray that you would just speak to us. We, we're coming expecting you to do something in our hearts and our lives. And I pray for every person here. Lord, you know exactly what they're going through. You know what struggles that we're going through. And I pray that you would speak directly to our need today, that we would see, see that you're a God that's bigger than our problems, that you care for us, that you can bring healing to our lives today when we trust you. And I thank you for the joy that you bring us knowing that Jesus Christ has solved our greatest problem, our greatest needs, that he came to die for our sins. And I thank you, Lord, that, that, that through redemption, through Jesus Christ, we can find freedom and forgiveness and joy that we've been looking for that this world can never give us. So God, just speak to our hearts today. I thank you for the Dickersons for being with us. Thank you for the partnership that we've had with them over the years and just how God you're blessing them and, and blessing the different works that's going on in Central America. So just keep our hearts open and God, may our hearts be expanded more and more and more for the world and for people, God, because it's all about souls. And uh, Jesus, you came for souls and uh, there's a world that's that's lost, that's dying, that's going to find eternity uh, in hell unless unless they hear the words of Jesus Christ, the redemptive story of why Jesus came. And that's that's our purpose, God. Whether it's our neighbor next door or the person in the cubicle next to us, our purpose is ultimately to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So just just give us that 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 desire, God, and that boldness to share your word. So we thank you for today and just what you're going to do in this service. And we just ask all these things in no other name but the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Thank you, 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 thank you. No, we are... 
very grateful for this church and the partnership and the friendship that we've had. And so we feel like we're home. Now, the weather's a little different here than what we're used to. We, we flew up from Managua, Nicaragua. Where, what was it? We used, 99 degrees. It was 99 degrees before we came up. And so just a little difference, but it doesn't matter the cold or all that, but it's, it's the warmth and the, the relationship, the friendship. So we are just very grateful for the partnership. And I want to say on behalf of all the missionaries and ministries you support, your giving is a gift to us. And but we want to the work that we're sharing today, what we're doing, you're involved in that. In fact, the influence that Nancy and I have as area directors throughout the seven countries, the places that we have a chance to be, you're part of that. And so we thank you for that. And we want to challenge you to 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 continue and to see what God will do, will bless, how He'll bless you as we're faithful in giving. Nancy, I do want to say thank you. Um... It's too early to start crying, baby. We just started. <laughs> God's family is amazing. That's right. We don't take the sacrifices that you all make lightly. And we are very thankful. We we appreciate you all helping us because we're part of Chico's Day Promesa. You are a part of what God is doing in this program. I look at these girls and I see redemption. What the enemy has tried to do in stamping out the value that these girls have in the world, God is redeeming that through this program. It's a discipleship program. It's a, it's a club. It's an after-school club. They're getting to be girls again. The dirty little secret is being talked about among the girls. And they're finding a, a power to be able to say no and to see danger and leave. And it's these things when moms are saying, don't do that. Don't you say another word about that because you see that bottle in that little, your bread, little brother's mouth. You say something to the police and we're not going to have food on our table. So you hush your mouth. I dealt with it. Your aunts have dealt with it. You're going to deal with it. You just do what you got to do. Hush your mouth and keep going. But these girls are being able to find freedom in Jesus Christ. They are finding strength. They are finding value. And they realize that God has made them for a higher purpose than being stuck in a community of abuse. And so thank you for being with us in our journey and allowing us to empower girls and to see their lives redeemed for Jesus Christ. This community called Linda Vista, which means beautiful view or or a nice view, it's a place, a community of very poor marginalized community where, like Nancy talks about the dirty secret things that the girls, it's a cyclical problem. And so in this one school, the, the, the director, Coralia, who was talking about it to begin with, she had had the third abuse case she had to report that week. And it was just breaking her. And she said, what can we do? And God gave vision and direction, both with Coralia and Mary Mann, one of our missionaries, to start this program called Girls of Promise. And now we have data. Sometimes we talk about the problem and what can we do about it. And some of the things that we feel like we're facing right now, it seems in our own ability, impossible. But we've seen how God has used that program to make a change. Where there are 150 cases reported each year in this one community, now there's zero. The police have actually come back and said, what are you doing? And because of, of discipling the life transformation power of government officials, and even the president came to see what's happening in Chicas de Promesa. And so pray with us. We want to see that, that, that kind of program start in other places. It's like our mission, our goal. But God has a mission and plan for each of us. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe today that God still speaks to his people? Amen. You know, and, and when we say that, that's kind of a dang, It's easy to say, but, you know, our prayer today, Nancy and I, as we're sharing today, is our prayer is that you'll hear from God anew and fresh. As we share what our story and our stories are of missionaries throughout our area, it's not just about us, but it's about what God, how God wants to use each of us in completing his mission because the needs are great. I'm glad to see in your bulletin it shares the, the victories, but also the needs around the world, the millions and actually billions of people who are waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So what you do makes a difference, but God wants to use you where you are and where he sends you to be his hands extended. It's the mission of God, the plan of God to, to reach this lost and dying world. And it's an exciting, it's an adventure. Uh, you know, this week we've been adventuring. We were in uh, six countries in seven days. 
and got to see, yeah, I heard that, oh, yeah, it was, you know, it's not like that all the time, uh, but it was, it was a good week hearing the story. We got to, we got to be with Terry Roche in, uh, in, in Panama where you guys are going to be going. And so that, that was exciting. But one of the things that was just reminded of the needs of children throughout Central America. I mean, it is a huge problem. We were in one of the communities, and El Salvador has now has the fame of being the murder capital of the world. There are more murders, uh, more homicides that occur in El Salvador on a daily basis than any place around the world. And in the month of August, a thousand people were murdered, and it's because of gang activity. And we look at it, and, I, and we were seeing some documentary, we were doing some things, and it, at, at times it just seems so hopeless. One of our superintendents in Honduras came and said, asked us, we need help. Because the, the gangs are now recruiting tenure, reclu- I'm saying recruitando, they're now recruiting, the word in English is recruit, uh, 10-year-olds to be part of the gangs. Because if they give them a gun and they kill somebody, they won't be prosecuted. But if we lose a 10-year-old, we lose them for life. And so we have got to reach, not only reach, but see life transformation in young children's lives so they have their identity in Christ. There is a crisis in Central America. There's a crisis of families, of missing dads. And so young boys are, are looking for identity. We need to make sure they can find that they have their identity in Jesus Christ. So we are working hard, and we'll be sharing some about that today, about making a difference, making an impact in young lives. So what is God speaking to you? Sometimes it does seem overwhelming. One time when Nancy and I were walking actually through the Atlanta airport, it was an overwhelming time of the Lord, what can we do? And it was that the Lord said to me, when all God's people are doing all that God says, then all the world will be reached. When all God's people are doing all that God says, then all the world will be reached. So our mission is to encourage everyone we know to do what God says so we can see that this world reached. And today I want to talk, we're going to share a story, a um, very familiar passage of Scripture, and it's 1 Kings chapter 17. If you'll permit us, we'll tell the story and weave in some of our stories around it. And you can read the whole past chapter from verse 1 through 14 to make sure we told the story right. But um, today we're going to be talking about an impossible situation and a very simple story, but how God uses those simplicity to make an impact. Would you say just a moment and pray with us and ask that the Lord would just really speak today father we are we are here as your servants and we really don't want to do anything in our own power but we want to be able to share your word and encourage your people to realize you have a mission for each of us father at times it does seem impossible but you're the god of the impossible and we thank you how you will use each one how you will challenge us to be those who are doing what you say so this world can be reached thank you for that privilege in jesus name we pray amen as you read this story, you'll see there are several characters in the story. First, obviously, God's there, and then his servant, Elijah. Now, it was a time when the children of Israel had once again fallen into sin, and God was tired of it. It says, judgment is coming because my people have just strayed so far away. But in the middle of that judgment, in the middle of that economic crisis, God took care of Elijah. The Bible says that Elijah prayed, and it wasn't going to rain for three and a half years. But even in the middle of that, God had a place prepared for Elijah. And it speaks to me that even when we hear all these bad news, all these things happen around the world, we don't have to fear because our God has, he will take care of us. Now, the Bible says that he was at Brook Cherith and he had water. There was a brook there. And twice a day, the ravens would bring him food. I'm a little warped, but I don't, you know, I'll just have to, uh, you know, give that disclaimer. But have you ever thought of raven food, like the bread and meat that it would, you know, bring, you know? Well, we've eaten, people, especially kids, will ask us, what is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? And we start going down the list of this and that. And one of our favorites, in fact, I'll get to enjoy this delicacy in Ecuador in about two weeks. Um, it's, a, it's a great gift from the ladies in the community. They, they take, this is the yucca, right? They take it and make sure that you can drink it. They, they take it and they chew it up and they spit it into a cup and they make this big old pot and then... You get to drink it, and it's a great offering for you. And so um, you learn to swallow it quickly and, um, you know, and just smile because it's, you know, uh, that's one of the most wonderful things. And uh, don't worry, Barton, it's, you're, you're good. We won't, Terry might, but I won't make you drink any, any, any chicha. But what you need to understand is that God will take care of us, sometimes not in the deluxe fashion that we thought, but he is with us. And so 
Elijah was there. He was in a place of restoration, place of, of healing. But all of a sudden, the Bible says the brook dried up. Now, you say, of course, it was a, it was a, um, uh, a drought. Yeah. Yeah. I can, we, we speak a lot of times in Spanish. So if we go to Spanish, you don't understand it. We kind of have to help each other out. I'm not saying anything about our age. It's just completely, you know, um, it was a drought. But the, when we started looking at that brook, it shouldn't have dried up so quickly because it was a major source. So God dried that brook up because he was about to move Elijah to the next place. He was going to take him from his comfort zone on a missions journey. Sometimes God will dry up our brook because he doesn't want us to stay in the comfort place. He wants to stay in a place where we're walking in faith. And so maybe God is, I'm not saying he's moving to someplace else, but maybe the thing you've depended on, that source is drying up because God's about to do something. And he's looking for people who are willing to live by faith, leave the place of comfort and go where God sends them. We have a couple, Ken and Kendra in Nicaragua. <clears throat> and the Lord called them from their comfort zone as, as youth ministers to go to Managua, Nicaragua. And when they got there, they, um, they, they had an opportunity to partner with a pastor who was doing a church plant in a very poor community. And so they are also work with um, a food distribution program. And so they took and, and made bags of food, and they met the pastor in this little poor community and they were going to go door to door and give a bag of food and invite them to come to church kind of as a to help um, invite people and let them be aware of the new church starting and so Kendra's kind of like the Pied Piper so she comes and all the kids just surround her and they want to go with her they're hanging on to her skirt they're hanging on to her hand they're just following her and she thought you know Lord I want to get these kids involved too so she says hey kids Who needs this bag of food? Tell me somebody in this community that really needs this bag of food. And they all in unison, oh, Doña Maria, Doña Maria. So they said, okay. She says, well, you all show me where she lives. Well, they went to the very, very edge of the community. And there was a a little tarp over some sticks and a little piece of tin around the outside of this little lean-to. And um, the kids ran up and, Doña Maria, Doña Maria, Doña Sa. And, and they didn't hear anything. They kind of peeked in and turned around. Their faces were long. She's not here. And Kendra said, that's okay. We'll come back. We, we'll come back in a little bit. So they headed up the hill to, keep, to, to go to the, the next house. And the kids all started beaming. Oh, she's here. She's here. So they grabbed this sweet little frail old lady and brought her down the hill. And, and uh, Kendra's coming up with the bag of food. And the lady's face just lit up. And Kendra said, we would like to invite you to church. And we'd like to give you this bag of food. She says, oh, no. I knew you were coming today. God showed me your face when I was praying last night. Kendra was like, really? (laughs) Okay. She says, no, I've got something for you. I saved something for you. I want to bless you. So she went into her house and she brought out two little tortillas that she had left over from that morning in an avocado. And she gave her offering to Kendra. And Kendra was just... Oh my goodness. You know, she felt like she was, she was taking everything. She says, you know, it wasn't, I felt like I was able to give her something. She gave me something and I was able to bless her. And the, the bag of groceries was just basic rice and beans and some oil and some just, just daily things that, that you, that you use in these communities. About $20 worth of food was in this bag, and she gave it to the lady, and they talked for a little bit. She invited her to the church, and Kendra said, can I pray for you? She says, oh, no, 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 I'm to pray for you. I'm praying a blessing on you. And so they, they, they stood right there in the little road, and, and, and Kendra, the lady started praying for Kendra, and she said, and Lord, I want you to bless her a hundredfold, what, a thousandfold what she has done today. And Kendra had turned her phone off, but it vibrated in her skirt pocket. And she didn't think anything about it. The lady kept on praying and just blessing her. And, and Kendra in turn pray for her and, 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 and said, we'll see you at church. So they had started up the hill. 
And Kendra remembered her phone and she turned it on or she opened it up and looked. And the message was from a church saying that we want to send an offering of $2,000 for your um, uniform program. They, they give uniforms to children who live in the garbage dump and, and don't have the means to be able to have uniforms to go to school and you have to have a uniform to go to school. And it, it was it was such a huge need because it was the last bit they needed to be able to finish what they were doing. You know, at times we don't understand why God takes us to places that are difficult. We don't understand why he moves us or is pushing us in another direction. But I can tell you this, that when, he's, when he does yield to what he says, yield to where he moves you, because he wants to do more than you can think and imagine. As the story goes on, the Lord told Elijah, he said, you know what? I've already spoken to a lady there. She'll, you're going to see her and you're going to be okay. Just, just go on to Zarephath. And so the Lord moved him, not knowing where he, he was going, never having been there, never having taken this journey in this direction. And he gets to the city and he sees this lady and she's gathering sticks. And he, he says, well, could this be the woman that God told me was going to help provide for me? And so he calls her over and he says, ma'am, could I, could I have some water? I've, I've been traveling and, and I'm dusty and oh, some water would be so good. She thinks water. Well, in that, in that culture, you would never refuse a foreigner a drink of water. There's the, the well, the community well was close by. And she had her jug with her. So she went over, and she's getting ready to get that, dip the jug in water. And he goes, oh, 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 you know, how about... How about a little piece of bread? Do you have a little piece of bread? I am really hungry. I've been traveling and I am really hungry. And she thought, oh, no. This must be what God was telling me about. I don't think I'm ready to do what he wants me to do. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. So she turns around. She says, you know what? I do not have any, any bread. All I have is a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour in my jar. And I was going to, I was getting sticks. I was going to make the last meal for my son and I, and we're going to eat it and die. You still want it? Oh, oh no, honey, you, you eat it and die. Just bring me that water. You know what I mean? What, 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 what is he going to say? But he knew that it was God-ordained. And at times when God shows us to do something, we resist. Because it doesn't feel comfortable. When God places something in our hearts, an area he wants to move us into, and we start feeling that resistance, that's the time to say, okay, God, this is all about you. This woman obviously had a relationship with the Lord, like many of us do, and she heard from God, but what God was asking her was going to cost her greatly, and so it was a resistance, and uh, we can, uh, Nancy and I think about that. There's been certain times in our ministry where God has spoken to us about getting involved in something that's much bigger than us, and you know, we thought, oh, yes, you know, everything would come together, and you guys worked with us on the high school project in Belize. And when we got there, God spoke to us about starting the need for a high school because in Belize, at 13 years old, most kids are they're finished with their education because there's only space in high school for 50% of the kids. And so the kids who are either have money or the good grades, the ones who get to go on. But what happens with the rest of the kids? What happens to those who don't have the access to those resources? So the Lord spoke to us about starting a school, and we, we originally had a plan where we were going to build it in Belize City where we were living. So we started the project. We, you know, you fill dirt. We invested a good bit of money, and all of a sudden, I mean, we had the, the, the title for the piece of property, we thought, and we started working, had a team there, and all of a sudden, we found out that there had been a change in the government and a change in the paperwork, and so we lost that piece of land. 
I mean, we're thinking and we're asking God why. And so it seemed like every door was shutting in our face. And so then the government realized it was their mistake. They said, you can sue us, but you won't win. So we said, we'll, we'll help you find another piece of property. So they gave us, they said, well, there's, we got this five acres of property outside of town. And we went to look at it and it was a nice piece of property, but there was no road, no way to get to it. So I'm thinking, this is really good. You know, uh, another blocked door. We, we had God speaking to us. But, or we thought we did, but everything, every door kept getting shut in our face. So they finally said, well, if you'll go north to Orange Walk, we've got another piece of property we'll give to you. We went and looked at this wonderful piece of property. It was a hole. I mean, you're going, really? I mean, even if we filled it in, we still would not be able to build because it wasn't big enough. And in the middle of that, I was tired of it. We were pastoring a church. We were involved with Latin American childcare. We were not looking for work. We had plenty to do. And so I just said, Nancy, we're going to stop talking about it. We're just going to move forward with what we're doing. And, and one of those times when, you know, Nancy, full of faith, said, what is God saying? And I thought, oh, you play the God card. What am I supposed to do now? And I knew in my heart what God was saying. And, and the resistance, the difficulty, because it was just tough. It was out of our comfort zone. It was out of our ability, something we couldn't do. But finally, we, we, we kept on. And we, we finally found a piece of property that we could purchase. And it was, it was an interesting piece of property. I mean, it was nine acres of, of over, overgrown sugar cane built. To the eyes, it looked like, what are you doing? And so we started the process. We had raised up enough money to, to build three and a half, uh, three buildings, three classroom buildings, and then a, a bathroom, you know, the really important things, and a little office. And we started the process, and people would come by, and they'd drive out there and say, what are you doing out here? And we'd talk about, we're building a high school, and they would just kind of giggle. You know, it's like, yeah, that's one of those little, you know, ever have one of those visions that people just don't quite get? And so then they said, oh, well, when are you going to start this high school? And this was like about May, and we're going, we're starting in September. And that, they didn't giggle then. They just started laughing, belly laughing, like, well, you know, look at these silly gringos. What do they think they're doing? But... We began to see how God started sending groups and teams to help us. But one day we opened up registration. We said, well, you're supposed to have a registration for a school. We were starting in ninth grade. We had no business plan, no marketing strategy, just like, well, today's the day. So we drove up from Belize City, the 50 miles. It was like 7.30 in the morning. And in Belize, when you've been there, it's 900 degrees at, 50, at you know, 7. It just, and it just gets hotter from there. And we figured maybe somebody will show up. You know, maybe we won't be too embarrassed. Well, we drove up on the property, and all of a sudden there was a line of people waiting because they had heard somehow that there was a place of hope called New Hope where they could put their child in. And so we knew we could, we could handle about three classes, about 50 students that year. We had enough for two and a half teachers, and so we were going to get going. Well, that first week we registered 93 students and. By the second week, we turned away about 200 people because we really couldn't handle them. And all of a sudden, we realized it was a whole supernatural thing. And that, that first year, those are defining moments when it was way above our ability. We didn't have the time, talents, or treasures to do what God was asking us to do. But he wasn't impressed with who we are. He just wanted us to be available. And that year, there are so many stories of, of kids who came through there. I think of Elizabeth. Um, one of our first students, and she came to school, and there were just different issues going on. But, you know, for her, New Hope was a place of hope. And we found out later that Elizabeth's one of those who went home to her mom was living with a man, and this man was helping provide, but this man would abuse her several times a week. He would rape her. We didn't know about that. We couldn't, probably couldn't have fixed it. But what New Hope for her was a place of hope, a place where she could meet Jesus and her life could be changed. What if we had given up because it was too difficult? What if we had given up because we didn't have the abilities? Lives are in the balance. You know, so it's not just, you know, it's a nice thing to do. What a nice little project. It's like lives make a difference. And so when that lady was resisting what the Lord wanted to do, as you follow the story through, God made some promises to her. And the first two words that, that Elijah said to her, the words you and I need to hear. The words are fear not. When you're facing an impossible situation, but God has spoken to you, you don't have to be walking in fear, even though you don't know the end of the story. 
I was reading in my devotions of the day, came across another fear not. But one of my favorites is in Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by your name. Have you ever been called by the wrong name? By your mama? I mean, I've got, I'm the youngest of three. And I got a sister and a brother. My mom would go through all those names. I mean, it's just wonderful when you're called by your sister's name. No, I'm Jay. Hello. You know, when somebody forgets your name, you really feel important. In the Christian world, it's great because we just call everybody brother and sister. We don't have to know anybody's name. But the word tells us that God knows you by name. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your strengths. And it goes on to say, when you go through the water, those times of testing, and you feel like you're going to be drowned, says you won't be drowned because the great I am that we sang about goes with us. When you go through the fire and you feel like you're going to be burned, you will not even smell like smoke because the great I am goes with us. I'm not saying you're not going to avoid, you're going to always avoid all the difficulties. There are sometimes you go through extremely difficult times, but you don't go alone. So Elijah said to her, fear not. Then he said three things about what she was going to do. The first thing he said to her was make the loaf of bread. He was telling her to do what God is telling her to do, obey his voice. Sometimes obeying his voice is um, is not always the most convenient thing to do. And um, we had a, <clears throat> we're talking about Chicas de Promesa earlier. We were in Costa, well, at the, at the schooling de Vista a couple of months ago. And um, a little boy came up and, and said to Mary, man, can I ask him? And Mary said, well, sure, go ahead. You ask him. And he walked up to Jay Dillon. He says, sir, I just, I just want to tell you something. He said, we have seen what Chicas de Promesa has done in the lives of the girls in this school. Now, this is a 10-year-old kid. And, in my face. <laughs> and we've, seen the, we've seen them get closer to the Lord and, and the changes that have happened here in our school. And, sir... We're boys in this school, and don't we deserve the same thing? When are we going to do something for us? And, you know, it was really kind of, we kind of were taken by surprise. Oh, well, um, I don't know, you boys aren't important. You know, what do you say? We'll do it right now. We'll, 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 we'll find a way to do it. And that's exactly what we have started. We, we, we've, in the process of purchasing a house right next to the school, the discipleship program for the boys has started because where the boys may not uh, uh, face the abuse, the rape of, of fa- family members, they do face the draw of gangs. And as Jay said earlier, if they can get them in a gang, then we've lost them. And so it's vital that these boys find their identity in Jesus Christ so that when someone comes and says, you want to be a man? I am a man. I'm a man in Jesus Christ. And so we're excited. These, you know, the, the boys program is going great. We're in the process of getting the, the, um, house, buying the house now that will outfit and make a, a afternoon program for, for the boys and morning program for the boys. But in the middle of all of this, we've realized that really this is a model that God wants to use throughout Central America. So, okay, what are you going to do about that? Well, that's what we've said. Okay, God, what are we going to do about that? And the Lord's showing us that Honduras desperately needs a program like this that can impact these boys who the gangs are viciously recruiting to be a part of the gangs. And unless we give them Jesus Christ and their identity in Christ, we're going to lose them. And so we, we are going, okay, God, here's our bread. What are we going to do with it? And he's opening doors. And although we don't feel like we have the ability, we've got the time, the talent, what it's going to take to do it, God's opening doors. It's one of those times we don't know the end of the story, but we know the God who controls the end of the story. And so we started thinking about when, when you all helped us in the project in Capos and how God led us there and didn't have the time, talents, or treasures, but somehow God had a plan. 
And so now we're, we're at the brink of a whole new project of starting a, a Chico's, a program for boys and girls in Honduras. Would you pray with us that God will once again show up like he has with the time, with the talents, and the, and the resources? What we see in this story was when Elijah spoke to the widow lady, he told her not to be afraid. He said, make the loaf of bread. And the second thing he said to her was, make it out of what you have, her flour and her oil. She wasn't to go buy flour, steal flour, beg for flour. She was to use her time, her talents, and her treasures. And if she was willing to do that, then God was going to show up and she was going to experience the miraculous. She would never run out of it again. But God spoke to her. And I've looked through the Word so many times, and there's so many different stories about how God use that same kind of idea. One of my favorites is, you'll find it in all the Gospels, is the story of Jesus having a conference with all his disciples. There had been a great crowd. And the Bible says there was at least 5,000 men there, and they'd been there for a couple of days, and it was time for them to, to go home. But Jesus said, you know, we can't just send them off. We've got to feed them because otherwise they'll faint on the way. So let's go ahead and feed all the people. And it was another, like the visionary, let's, let's do it. And the disciples are the administrative people. You know, um, they're like the executive pastor who reminds you when you can't do something. Pastor, I'm just teasing. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. Well, the disciples were saying, well, Jesus, we can't because there's so many of them. It would take more than a year's salary to feed every one of them. And we gave up our jobs to follow you. We don't have enough. And how many times do we say the same thing? The need is so great. I don't have enough. But Jesus said to them, what do you have? And so they all looked at each other, I'm sure, and finally, for a moment full of faith, Andrew brings up a little boy and says, Jesus, I've got a little boy here, and he's guy's lunchable, and he's willing to give it to you. But then he said, but what is that among so many? Hmm. Don't we do the same thing? What is my lunchable, my little bread, my little loaf? But the Bible says that Jesus took it. And if you've ever seen a little lunch bowl or, or a couple of fish and loaves, you realize that it wouldn't feed one person. But yet they were talking about five to 10,000 people. The Bible says that Jesus took what he gave him, he prayed over it, and then he began distributing. And the word says that those disciples fed those people. They passed everyone there, and everyone had food left over. And then Jesus said, gather up what remains so nothing will be lost. Every disciple got a basket, and they got to walk and gather up the remains, realizing one more time, I might not have enough, but when I give all I have to Jesus, it becomes enough. He performs the miraculous. So Elijah said to her, fear not, make the loaf of bread, make it out of what you have. And the third thing he said to her was, bring it to me. Follow through on your commitment. Nelson Lugo served, he and his family serve in Panama. And um, not long ago, probably about a year, year and a half ago, he got a call from a, a pastor, one of the indigenous groups that was a ways out. And um, he, the pastor says, Brother Lugo, I have finally gotten permission from the chief of the village and we can start a church and I need you here on Saturday because I want us to do a prayer walk around the community. I want us to pray and gather them all in and I need you here, brother. When can you come? So Nelson checked his calendar. He says, I can be there. We're going to do it. He had been praying with this pastor for months and months and months that the Lord would open up an opportunity for them to, st to start a church there. And so he gets there, and, and Nelson goes, okay, so now where are we gonna, when are we going to start? Tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. We've got the community center. Well, now the community center was kind of a, it's a thatched roof building with, with you know, sides, but the windows were open, and, and um, but it was, a, it's the, it was a center that everybody knew about. So they start praying, inviting people to come. They walked through the community, invited people to come. And they were excited. The next day they got up early, they're praying. They walked around the community and prayed and just believing God to bring the people in at 1 o'clock. 
So they get there about noon and, and they've got everything ready. The doors are open. They're standing right there and, and they see this crowd of people coming and they are getting excited. Man, God is so good. We're going to have a, this church is going to be filled today. And that crowd of people come and they walk right by. And they realized, or Nelson realized, that they were right beside the soccer field. And one o'clock in the afternoon, they have the soccer field for the, the soccer game for the community. So they're in there and they had a couple of people that trickled in that morning and they were a little discouraged, but that was okay. God, we were going to have church with the ones that are here. And so they started, they, they said, let's open in prayer. And as they started to open in prayer and the crowd went wild, somebody scored a goal, they couldn't hear a thing. They couldn't even talk and hear anything in that building. And it just got worse. And so they thought, you know, we're going to stop and pray. We're just going to pray and, and ask the Lord to help us through this time. So they stopped and they prayed together. Lord, just give us, let us feel your presence and, and let us be able to have a service. And no sooner had they finished praying than all of a sudden they hear, pop, the soccer ball exploded. Game was over. Game was over. That was it. They all went home. Well, the next week they thought, oh, hallelujah. They had church. God was good. They, the pastor had a great week ministering to people in the community because of open doors. The next week they came back. Same thing happened. Everybody's going to the soccer field. They started church again. Same thing happened. The noise was crazy. They prayed. Guess what happened? Yep, soccer ball exploded. That happened for seven weeks in a row. On the seventh week... The soccer players, the, everybody out there said, you know what? Your God is bigger than whatever's going on out here. We're coming to see what y'all are doing. Because you now have seven soccer balls, and we don't have another soccer ball. So we're just going to come in and have church. A church was begun because our God is more than enough. When we take what we have and we place it in his hands, he moves mountains. On the altar are seven soccer balls in that little community church now to show this is how big our God is. When God wants something, when he ordains something, he can bring it to pass. He will bless what we bring to him. And he will make it more than enough. In that kind of community, the people wanted to say whose God was more powerful. Our God is more powerful and able. But you won't see the miracle occur until you take the step of faith. The soccer ball didn't explode before the church service began. They had to pray. They had to see it happen. So many times when we expect, well, as soon as I see that, I will believe it. But God's looking for people who are willing to believe it before they see it, who are willing to leave the comfort zone, willing to leave the easy spot, willing to leave what they know to follow after him, to follow after the voice. And so as that, that widow lady, she had heard about making the loaf of bread. She knew she had to use her flour and oil. But as she was making that loaf and she was kneading that bread, she also had a little boy right there. And she had to wonder, I know the promise of God is that I will never run out, but I've just used it all up. Is my God big enough? And I don't, I don't know what you're facing, what mountain, what, what, what challenge you might be facing. You think, I know the promise of God is there, but it's all gone. Well, this lady made a decision. She made that loaf of bread. If I die, I die. I choose to obey his voice. So the word talks about she took the loaf of bread of the man of God. But I don't think she stayed around to discuss, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think she discussed any of that. I think she wanted to see what the Lord was going to do. So she went running home. And guess what? God was faithful to his word. Her flour and her oil was replaced time and time again because God is true to his word. But if you want to live in the place where you see in the miraculous provision of God, where you get to see his miracles, it's by obeying his voice, leaving the place where it's easy, leaving the place of what we know. I like to have a list. I love to check that list off. I love it all to be planned. But as I'm serving God and doing what he says, I realize I can't figure it out. I look at projects we've been involved in from the high school to the, to the big church we built in Capos. It's other things. Every time God spoke, it doesn't seem practical, and it doesn't seem able, but yet God has proven himself faithful. We're at a place now where we're stepping in a new, we're getting out of the boat one more time. 
But I know the God that I serve is able to complete his word. What is God speaking to you? The mission of God is to be his hands extended to a lost and dying world. So that's great, those crazy missionaries go and do all that stuff. But what about me? When all God's people are doing all that God says, then all the world will be reached. Where God places you, he wants to use you. He wants you to depend on him living by faith. And he wants you making your loaf of bread, making out of what you have, and then giving it to him. No reservations held back completely. Thank you for what you do to help us. But our, and we appreciate that. And we do ask for continued prayer that God, we would see God respond. But what about you? What is God speaking to you? Lord Jesus, I thank you for precious people who are part of this fellowship. And Lord, it's obvious that they have a heart for the world because they give of their time. They give of their treasures. And I'm sure many of them have given sacrificially, not knowing how it's going to happen. But God, you also want to, us to invest our lives and say, here I am, Lord, use me, my neighbor, somewhere in my state, in my country, and around the world. And my prayer as we go every place, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to people who are willing to leave their comfort zone and follow after the voice of the Lord, even when they don't know the end of the story. Would you challenge us? Would you speak to us? Would you make your presence and your power known? And call us by name, Lord. By our name. Realizing our shortcomings, but realizing that you're on the throne. And our challenge today, Lord, is here we are. Use me. God, would you speak to your people today? Would you glorify yourself? We are yours, Lord. We give ourselves to you. Challenging word today. As Jay and Nancy were speaking, um, one of the things that, that just impressed my heart was this. Maybe, maybe you're here and, and there's just a, a, something that you just have to, trust God and whatever that is. And maybe, maybe as Jay and Nancy were speaking, God just spoke that, that to your heart too. And, and I think it's good for us to kind of go out of our comfort zone. Maybe it's, maybe for you, it's just simply like, God, I don't even know if you're real in this situation. I just need to trust you that, that you're going to be real. And, and, and maybe the, this situation is so deep and so painful that you just have to say, God, I have to, and I have to trust you in this. And that's where turning your life over to Christ makes all the difference where I'm just going to trust you. I don't, I don't know if it's going to change tomorrow or next week or next month, but I, I just have to trust you because I know what I'm doing now is not working because I'm allowing anxiety and fear to take over my life. It's not allowing me to sleep at night. Um, it's just, it's consumed me. And, and that's the difference when you give your life over to the Lord, he, he's going to walk with you through it. And that's where the that's where the trust comes in. That that the Lord wants you to trust Him with that with that very thing that that is giving you sleepless nights or is causing anxiety in your heart and fear just can just just suck us dry. It just you know anxiety can just suck us dry. And so that's where I would just just would say to you that's where I have to put my trust in the Lord. Lord, I'm just going to hand my life over to you. I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm not going to orchestrate it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you notes on how you need to do it, God. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to trust you, Lord, to give this thing to you. And I believe that's what the Lord may be doing for you today. And I, I would ask you just to trust him as, as we pray today. Um, um, and so I want to pray for you. And, and what we're going to do is we just close the service. We're going to close in song. And um, we're going to take an offering for, uh, for, for Jay and Nancy and for the ministries that, that um, they're involved with. And we just want to be partakers of that. And so um, if you write out a check, just write it to Living Word. And we'll make sure everything goes to, to, to Jay and Nancy and to the, the ministries that, that, that they're doing. And so we want to bless them. We, we want them to leave uh, just blessed and, and be able to continue the work. And so we want to partner with that. And so um, as we just pray and, and just allow the Lord to, to minister in our hearts and life. If that's you, just, just give that situation to the Lord. Say, God, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of worrying about it. I'm just done 
it's it's overtaking my life and i just i just need to give this to you today and so as we just pray over the offering i pray that you would give that thing to the lord today that you would give your life to him and just trust him he's good god is good you know, his promises are true. And I think sometimes we have to just lean on God's promises. We just have to lean on them. And, and, and the times that are the most difficult to lean on God's promises are the times when I'm most unsure about how things are going to work out. But how much know that God will never leave us or forsake us? Do you believe that? That's a promise of God that he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's not based on your life. It's based on what Jesus already did for us. It's, it's a covenant that, that, that Jesus makes with us through his own sacrifice. He says, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. A promise of God says, nothing can separate you from my love. Do you believe that? That's a promise in the word of God that we can lean on to know that God is faithful to his word. And so that's my prayer for you today, that you would just be faithful to just lean on God and know that he's going to be faithful to you, um, that his grace is going to be sufficient for you. And that he's not going to leave you. And that you can trust him today. So let's pray. As we just pray over the offering, just pray over your life. That you're going to trust God today. I want you to bow your heads down. How many of you would just say, Pastor, um, Pastor Barden, um, I need to trust God with something in my life. I, I just need to trust him. If there's an area in my life that I just need to trust. How many would just be just say, Pastor, that's me. I'm going to be, I'm going to raise my hand. That's me. I just need to trust him. So many of you. Praise God. Let's trust him. Let's believe that God's going to do it. I, and I think for some of you, you just, you're just not believing that he can do it. He's a good God. He's faithful. It's the same God that, that, that touched that widow with Elijah. He's the same God. He hasn't changed. He, he's the same God that we serve today. And so, Lord, as we just bow our hearts before you, and as so many have just responded to this word today, Lord, I pray that we would just trust you. Even though we may not see it, even though it may be hard for us, even though anxiety has gripped our hearts, Lord, we're going to trust you with this and just believe you. So we're handing this over. We're giving you our little bit of flour and we're giving you a little bit of our oil. God, we're giving you that fish, that bread. We're just handing it over. It's not pretty, Lord. It's not perfect, but we're just giving you what we have. You don't expect us to change it. You just expect us to give it to you. So we give you this situation as ugly and as difficult as it is, God. We just give it to you and, and, and we're going to trust you that you're going to be faithful. And I pray that you would show yourself real to those that have been doubting today. For those that have doubted your love because they feel like the situation, maybe they've blamed you or maybe they say, well, God's not real or God must not care about me. I pray that you would just show yourself faithful through this situation that you love us, that you care for us, that nothing's going to separate us from your love. We pray for this offering, God. Lord, that it would just uh, bless the work that's going on in Central America. Thank you that we can be partakers with it, and partakers of what God is doing. And just we just pray for Jay and Nancy that you would continue to, to protect them as they travel and as they minister, Lord, and all the missionaries that are under their care, God. We pray that you would encourage them today with your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that even when the work seems so discouraging, we do have a bigger God. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to work even when it seems impossible. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness each and every day. And so we just give this offering to you and our life to you. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' precious, precious name. In Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen. 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 Let's stand and let's just sing this in closing today as the ushers come and as they serve you. God bless you.